Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Let's not forget that we're part of the church, that we're part of a bigger thing as well. And so it's really, it's not right to just say, okay, well, I've just got my Bible and me, myself, and I'm going to go off of my corner here, and I'm just going to have fellowship with God, forget the church. No, you're part of a body. You're part of a family, and you need to engage with that family. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Ephesians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 13 in a message titled, The Manifold Wisdom of God. Now, here's Pastor Brian. It's through that diversity that the world sees something unique, something that's not like anything else. It's through that diversity that the angels look on and think, wow, this is amazing. The angels are seeing the, the many-colored uh, wisdom of God through that. When I was pastoring in London years ago, uh, our church was made up of um, a diversity of, of people. You know, in, a, in an international city like London, you have, a lot of times you will have uh, churches that are, you know, distinct with their cultures or, you know, people from other nationalities move to those large major cities of the world. So in London, you'd have uh, Nigerian churches and you would have uh, churches that were predominantly made up of people from South Africa. You might have uh, Brazilian churches or you would even have an American church in London or something like that. And um, we, we had the experience of just having a, a real diverse and multicultural and multi-ethnic. And of course, I was an American and a few others of us. And then there were the English, the, the local uh, British people. And then there were people from all these different nations. And I remember one time, I remember somebody asking me this question. They said, how did you, what was your strategy to, to, to get that to happen like that? You know, how did, what what did you guys do to develop this, this beautiful thing? People were impressed at what they saw. How did, how did you do this? What was your strategy was the question. I looked at him, I thought, strategy? <laughs> if you know me, I usually don't have much of a strategy. Um, you know, this is just something the Lord's doing. We, we've just opened the doors and we're, anybody that wants to come, they can come. That's what the church is. That's what it should be. As I look at our community here. You know, I, I grew up in this county. And when I was a kid, when I was going to high school here in Huntington Beach, um, you know, the, the ethnic, it, the whole region was, was predominantly white at the time. And of course, Santa Ana has always had its uh, Hispanic aspect to it or for many years now. Uh, but things have changed so much over these decades. And now we have all of this diversity. We have people from all of the different nations that have come. And I personally love this. I think this is the greatest thing in the world. This is, this is the way it's supposed to be. And it delights me. As, as we grow as a church to see more and more diversity taking place. This is, 
what it's supposed to look like. That we all come from different backgrounds, culturally maybe, ethnically. We come from different levels in society and different economic status, as I said, all this. But we come together and we're one in Christ. And we love each other. And we relate to each other and we connect, uh, not because we're on the same pay scale necessarily, uh, not because we live in the same neighborhood, but because we have the same Lord, because we have the same Savior, because we have the same Father. We're brothers and sisters. And so this is what Paul is talking about here. This is the mystery. The mystery is the church. The church is the unfolding of that mystery, this new thing that God is doing. But Paul also indirectly tells us a little bit about himself. And in doing so, he tells us a little bit about the ministry. In verse seven, he says, he became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. A minister according to the gift of grace. Anybody who ministers the gospel does so by the gift of God's grace. We are not in the ministry because we are extraordinarily holy people. We are in the ministry by the grace of God. And listen, this is an important thing to realize. Humanly speaking, we we have a tendency to elevate people. It's just part of our nature. And sometimes we go beyond elevating. We we sometimes have a tendency to idolize people. And we do that quite often because our thinking is incorrect. We're looking at that person and we're thinking, oh, they are so holy. They are so righteous. Of course, they must be. Look how God is using them. But the fact of the matter is, as Paul put it so beautifully, I am what I am by the grace of God. Whatever it is, at the end of the day, it's, it's because of God. You know, when I see the work of God in places and I see great outpourings of the Spirit and many, many people coming to faith in Christ and large churches, a lot of times I know personally the pastors of those churches. And so I have a little bit of an advantage because... I know that they're just normal guys. And I know the, at the end of the day, the explanation for what's going on there is not really them. It really is the grace of God. But it's true across the board. I'm not saying that to, to put anybody down. It's true, with every, it's true with me. It's true with anyone. It's about God's grace. And if we lose sight of that, then what we end up doing is we end up glorifying a man instead of glorifying God. God should be the one getting the glory. We should be looking beyond the man. You can be appreciative of the man, but at the same time say, man, Lord, we recognize that you're the one that's at work here. No, man is not the explanation for these things. For Paul says it was by God's grace. And then he says, also, he adds this. He speaks of um, the effective working of his power. This is so encouraging to me. This particular passage encourages me quite often because it it just reminds me that the power that I need to do what I do is supplied to me by God. And I want this to encourage you as well because as God 
calls you to serve him in various capacities, this is what you need to know. He will give you the ability to do what he calls you to do. He does that. This is a supernatural thing that we're involved in. And we depend on that power from God to do this. And you can depend on that. So if you have a ministry opportunity that opens up to you, you have an area where you feel that, that you want to serve the Lord, but yet there's something in you that says, oh, but you know, how can I do this? I'm so, I'm so ill-equipped. I'm so feeble. I'm so incapable in so many ways. All of that might be true, but know this, there's the effective working of God's power. God will supply you the power to do what he calls you to do. That doesn't mean that we don't take the time and work hard and discipline ourselves and study and those, we do all of that. But at the end of the day, even when we've done all of that, that's not where our power lies. Our power lies in that work of the spirit. And so Paul makes reference to that there. But then one other thing he says, notice he said that it was given to him who was less than the least of all the saints. The grace was given to him to preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. We'll come back to unsearchable in a second. But what does a minister do? A minister of the gospel preaches Christ. That's what Paul did. He preached Christ. Christ was the, the central focus of the message of the apostles. And for anybody who's going to preach today, this is what we preach. We preach Christ. We need to be careful that we're not preaching something else. And in our climate today, there's, there's a lot of temptation to preach other things. Some guys are carried away in preaching politics. You go to church and you, you, know, you come for a sermon and you get a, you get a political commentary. You know, if I want a political commentary, I'll turn on the TV and watch the news. What I usually won't find by turning on the TV is a sermon glorifying Christ. I can't find that on the, the six o'clock news but I'm, I'm not supposed to, but I am supposed to be able to find that when I walk into a church. That's the message. That's the, that's the, the primary message that we have. We're, we're not to be preaching even, you know, with all of the societal ills, we could get caught up in preaching all of that kind of stuff. Now, you know, obviously as Christians, God's work in our lives is, is going to impact the way we conduct ourselves in society, and, and hopefully we're going to be a good influence in society. God calls some Christians into the political realm to make a difference. That's all wonderful and good. But I'm talking about the preacher. If you're coming here and expecting to hear commentaries on politics from me, uh, you're going to sit a long time before you ever hear that, because it's just not what I'm called to do. We can reference things at times, obviously, but the, the central point always needs to come back to Christ. And notice what Paul refers to here, the unsearchable riches of Christ. If we preached every day for a million years, we could never fathom the depths of Christ. So we've got plenty of content. We've got plenty to look at by just looking at Christ. 
So a minister preaches Christ. He's the center. Everything revolves around him ultimately because at the end of the day, he's the answer to all of the problems in the world. At the end of the day, he is the the only political solution there is. And we know that that's true because there's coming a time when the government will be upon his shoulders. That's where it's headed, thank God. Uh, when we look at society and all of the problems in society, he, Jesus is really the answer because the problems in society are related to the people in society, right? And they're problems because of people who have problems. And Christ is the answer to those people's problems. And so we preach Christ. You want to impact our, our community for good? Preach the gospel. Do what we can to get people within earshot of the gospel. Do what we can to get the message because that's how lives are changed. That's how communities are transformed. So I've transitioned from Paul and the ministry into Christ and the unsearchable riches of Christ. As I said, the word here could be translated unfathomable. The riches of Christ. You never have to worry about learning too much about the Lord. You, you can never learn enough. Sometimes I, I talk to people about reading the Bible because reading the Bible is an important thing, right? Meditating on the scriptures is an important thing for our daily growth and for our communion with the Lord. But sometimes I'll ask somebody, you know, how are you with reading the scriptures? And they say, oh, well, I, I read that already. Okay, good. Well, guess what? Go back and read it again a hundred times more. It's not like that. It's not like, oh yeah, I read that. Okay, where, where do we go from here? No, you read it and you reread it and you meditate on it and you go deeper and deeper. George Mueller, the great uh, philanthropist and evangelist and guy who impacted so many orphans, uh, many, many years ago in Bristol, England, it was said about Mueller that he read his Bible through 200 times from cover to cover. 200 times through the Bible. That is amazing. And he, he was a man who obviously was, was deeply rooted in the scripture. But you know what? You could read your Bible through 200 times. You could read it through 500 times or you know, maybe you could only read it through 20 times or whatever. But the more you read it, the deeper you're going to go. But you're never going to go to a place where you say, okay, that's it. I've, I've arrived at that place of the, the ultimate depths of Christ. You can't. It's unsearchable. It's unfathomable. So we can keep going and we need to keep going deeper and deeper with the Lord. Paul tells us a couple of other things here about Christ. Just real quickly, he tells us that God created all things through Christ. And then he tells us that God's eternal purposes have been accomplished in Christ. So again, it takes me back to where we started on this point. Everything comes down to Christ. We're living in a, a pluralistic society, which is good if it's understood and properly 
carried out, that there's all different kinds of beliefs and there's freedom for people to have different religions and so forth. That's, that's a good thing. But in this environment, we have the opportunity to connect with people from other belief systems and worldviews. And we as Christians, humbly, yes, but certainly we need to just be confident that we have the truth. We have the truth that everything centers around Christ. All of history centers around Christ. Everything originated with him and everything is going to be fulfilled through him. And so when we hear talk about, well, you know, these other religions are, uh, this is God's way of reaching these other people and so forth. No, that's not true. That's not accurate. And let's not be duped by that kind of reasoning. Christ is the answer for everybody. He is the culmination of all of history. It's all coming to him. And Paul, again, reminds us of that here. And now our final point that I want to make is where Paul now speaks about the benefits that we have. And what does he say here? He says, in whom, speaking of Christ, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So through Christ, we have boldness and access with confidence. It's through Christ that we have our access to God. It's through Christ that alone that God can be accessed. And we have this access to God. And he says that we have boldness. This means that we can just come to God with whatever's on our heart, with whatever's on our mind. We can speak candidly to him. We can speak freely to him. We can cry out to him. We can request from him. We can even wonder aloud, God, why did this happen? And help me through this. We, we can do that. That's the kind of boldness that we have. As we see so many times, and as we've emphasized so many times, we have this amazing, personal, intimate relationship now with God. But let's not forget that it's not just about me and my relationship with Jesus. As much as that is important, very important, let's not forget that we're part of a bigger thing as well. You see, this is the problem. Sometimes we tend to have a hard time striking the balance. So we find ourselves, there, there's either the emphasis on just the personal relationship with Jesus, it's just me and Jesus and nobody else, or there's just, you know, the big emphasis is on the church and the community, and there's a lot of talk today about the need for community, and sometimes people are overstating the case to the exclusion of the personal thing, but then sometimes the personal thing has been overstated to the exclusion of the collective thing, and it's not either or, it's both. Thank God we have a personal relationship with him. And thank God we have direct access to him. Boldness with confidence to go right, as Hebrews tells us, boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy, find grace to help in time of need. But let's not forget that we're part of the church, that we're part of a bigger thing as well. And so it's really, it's not right to just say, okay, well, I've just got my Bible and 
me, myself, and I'm going to go off of my corner here, and I'm just going to have fellowship with God, uh, forget the church. No, you're part of a body. You're part of a community. You're part of a family. And you need to engage with that family. Because just listening to sermons or tuning into Bible teaching on the radio or a podcast or something like that, as good as those things are and as beneficial as they can be, if, if that's all you do, there's a huge component that you're missing, and that's the com- component of fellowship with other believers. We need that. Remember, it's the church collectively that God is manifesting his uh, manifold wisdom through. We're never going to be all that we are intended to be by God if we isolate ourselves and try to do it on our own. We've got to come together. We've got to connect. We've got to engage. We've got to be involved in fellowship. And that's not just coming to church and sitting and listening to a sermon. That's good. I'm glad you're here doing that. But engage. Get to know people. Inquire about service. How can I be involved? How can I get myself connected more personally to this community? That's God's intention for each and every one of us. And so as we close, the riches of Christ are unsearchable and know this, that Jesus always enriches our lives. If you're impoverished today, let Christ enrich you. He always enriches our lives. His riches, as I've said, are unsearchable. God's purposes are all wrapped up in Christ. Through Christ, we have this access to God. Everything, of course, in the epistle and in all through the New Testament, it, everything happens through Christ. So are you a Christian? If you're not a Christian, then you're outside of this. Some people today want to suggest that, oh, there's no outsiders. You just, God God loves everybody. Of course, God loves the whole world, but there are people that are outside. The gospel is an invitation to come in. By nature, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. The gospel is God's means of bringing us to life, bringing us in. Are you a Christian? Have you personally received Christ? All history will culminate in him. All heaven is watching the unfolding of his wisdom through the church. Are you part of this? You need to be part of this. God wants you to be part of this. Don't miss the opportunity to be part because as I said, all of history is moving in a direction and it's in the direction of the purposes of God all being fulfilled through Jesus Christ. As we look out our windows and doors today, as we look out at the world and as we see the chaos, the craziness that seems to get more pronounced with each passing week, we know the direction it's going in. It's going to get bad, but we know ultimately it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. But we don't have to wait till then and we shouldn't wait till then. We have now the opportunity to experience that kingdom, to become part of this thing that God is doing by faith in Christ.
For the month of November, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. The world, the flesh, and the devil are constantly at war against us Christians, and sometimes we feel defeated, and at others we give in to the pressures of sin and compromise. But in those times, we should not expect harshness from heaven. We can expect the gentleness of Christ to draw us in all the more, because it is God who sets the terms by which He loves us, no matter how unlovable we think we might be. So no matter what your sin or how long you've been sinning, Jesus will never cast you out. If you need to be encouraged about Jesus' unfailing love for you, or if you know someone that needs to know Jesus' love for them, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ephesians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.